All right, good morning, Faith Church, man. It's great to have you here today. Thanks so much for showing up and being a part of our service here. Let's welcome those who are watching online. We're glad to have you guys. Thanks for tuning in as well. Awesome. Well, listen, uh, we are continuing our series we started last week entitled Wise Guys. We just thought it'd be great to take a look at the book of Proverbs. It's packed from beginning to end with great life advice because we know this, that all of us are in as life, we have to make big decisions. We have to decide um, directions that we have to go, decisions that we have to make. And the book of Proverbs is a book written by a guy by the name of Solomon. He was a king in the Old Testament, the son of King David. And uh, he was actually really endued with wisdom. He prayed and God said, listen, whatever you ask for, I'll give it to you. And he asked for wisdom. And it, it, man, God was so pleased, gave him an incredible amount of wisdom. And uh, he shared a lot of that in the book of Proverbs. And so we have the opportunity really all these years later to glean from this wisdom. And so last week we talked about um, why it's important to take some time and go through this book and why to read through it. And basically it's this, because we all need wisdom. We all need help in life making the best decision possible. Every one of us in this room, you are in the place you're in financially, spiritually, relationally because of decisions that you've made. Now, some of you guys are in a place in that you would look back and say, wow, if I could go backwards, I would do things different, which means you've learned by experience. And that's one way to get wisdom. However, we said this last week that getting wisdom through experience is often a painful process. Trying to learn the hard way is exactly that. It's the hard way. And so we just try to say that maybe the book of Proverbs offers us a better way to get wisdom, that we don't have to go through the painful process of hindsight, of learning the hard way. We say this way, that hindsight is twenty twenty with us, but foresight is twenty twenty with God. God knows what's happening next. God knows where our decisions will lead. God knows when we do things his way, how it's going to end up. And so ultimately the invitation is this, that is if you need wisdom, as you make big life decisions, if you'll take God at his word and try to do things his way, you might be surprised how well you end up. In fact, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, he said this in Proverbs chapter four, this is our challenge through this series. He says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing that you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. So the wisest man who ever lived said the best thing that you could ever do is get wisdom. And so we're on this journey to do it. In fact, we started last week with this invitation and this challenge for all of you to join us for 31 days as we read together through the book of Proverbs. And so hopefully many of you have been doing that. How many people have been making that attempt to read through a chapter a day? Man, that's awesome. If you've not been a part of it, it's not too late to jump on board. Today we're on Proverbs chapter 8. So if you've not started, you can just pick up Proverbs 8 and start rolling. Uh, I would encourage you to take some time, though. Don't just read through it, but maybe really listen to a, a one point where God's trying to challenge you and maybe step out and obey him there and see what happens. So as we continue on today, what I want to point out is as you read through the book of Proverbs, you come across this phrase over and over and over again. In fact, it happens about 20 times. It's said about 20 times in the book of Proverbs alone. And this phrase, this phrase we're going to look at, it's not just found in the book of Proverbs 20 times. It's found over 100 times in Scripture. And it's this phrase, the fear of the Lord. Ooh. It's like Mufasa, say it again. Ooh. The fear of the Lord. And we have to ask, like, what does that mean? I'm just going to tell you this on the front end as we discover today what that phrase means, the fear of the Lord. I'm going to tell you that it is the key to the book of Proverbs. It is the key that God has given us. What, but what does it mean, the fear of the Lord? I'm going to tell you that, you know, uh, is, is it the fear of the Lord, does it mean like to be afraid of God the same way we're afraid of other things? I have a well-documented history on this platform of my arachnophobia. 
And I just want you to know that I'm an equal opportunity hater. I just don't hate uh, spiders. I hate anything with more than two legs. Um, we were hanging out with some friends last night and, you know, it got dark and the lights were turned on and this bug about this big came and landed. Now, if you listen to them, they'll tell the story different. I don't care what they say. This thing came, almost picked me up and carried me off. And I was freaking out like a four-year-old girl. I hate bugs. And uh, so I got a little arachnophobia, a little bug phobia. I mean, anybody here hate bugs? Snakes? Uh, yeah. Woo! Gotta love the South. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, acrophobia, acrophobia is being afraid of heights. Anybody here afraid of heights? You know, um, really, let's be honest, we're not afraid of heights. We're afraid of falling from heights. And so a couple years ago, well, it's been quite a while ago, I went bungee jumping, which was kind of a hot thing to do. And my weight's always kind of fluctuating. I'm anywhere from like 250 to like 280, big guy. And so we showed up at, at this place, and I was on the high end at the time. And we showed up, and there was a sign, like, weight limit, 275 pounds. And, like, I was there buck naked. And I was like, Ugh. like, do I risk my life? And I'm going to be honest, I was way too proud to say I, I'm too heavy. Like, I was just too proud. But I did kick my shoes off because every pound counts. You know what I'm talking about? So, but arach- uh, ac- acrophobia, uh, claustrophobic. Anybody here hate small spaces? So, I mean, think about all the things. Think about the thing that maybe today that you're scared the most of. What is it? What's the thing that you're afraid of? Because that feeling of fear, that feeling of, you know, that makes you shudder, that feeling that makes you nervous, that feeling that makes you break out in a cold sweat, is that what it means to fear God? Does it mean when we think of him, we're afraid of him, that we want to run from him, that we want to avoid him? In fact, there's a phrase, just the fear of the Lord, and it's used in a different way all the way back in the book of Genesis. Let me just tell you the story real quick. The story is that God made man, made him perfect, made Eve to be alongside him, put him inside of a perfect paradise, and said, listen, you can eat from any tree of the garden. It's all yours. I made it all for you. He said, but you cannot just, there's this one tree. I don't want you to eat from this one tree. And we know the story. Satan came as a serpent and tempted Eve and tempted Adam. And they both disobeyed God. And they both ate from this one tree that God said, don't eat from. And because of their disobedience, not because of the tree, but because of their disobedience, because they disobeyed God, ultimately sin came. And here's what happens when you read the story in Genesis 3. Right after they disobeyed God, you see this, these couple verses that basically say this. That God came looking for Adam in the cool of the day. And the Bible says, but Adam hid himself because he was afraid of the Lord. And some of us, we think like that's what it is, that God is this like big God. And he's, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of wise. He's got a beard, not really glasses because he's God, but he floats on like maybe a cloud. And he's just like floating around looking for any of us that mess up. And God's just waiting to hit us with the bolt of lightning when we fall short. And so we're afraid of God and we hide from God. Is that what it means? Let me just give you a couple verses in Proverbs chapter one that kind of lets us know a little bit something about the importance of this thing called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, read it with me, is the foundation of true knowledge. Next one, watch this. It's not just the foundation of true knowledge. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the foundation of some of you guys who maybe read older older translations, King James, New King James, the word here foundation is the beginning. The, the, The fear of the Lord, whatever this thing is, the fear of the Lord that it's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. I'd like to say it this way, that it's our starting point. That as you wake up and you face your days, that as you get ready and you look at big decisions, you're you're like in the middle of a business decision or you're in the middle of right relationship decisions, that the only way you're really going to have the wisdom you need, 
The only way you're going to really have the knowledge you need to make these big decisions is if your starting point, if you begin with the fear of the Lord. What is it? If it's so important, if it's the key to Proverbs, if it's the starting point for real wisdom and, and real knowledge, then, then what is the fear of the Lord? Well, I want us today to look at Scripture. I want us to look through Scripture. We're going to look at a couple of these in a row here. And I want you to know that as you study God's Word, one of the ways to gain understanding of what things mean is there's a saying that Scripture interprets Scripture, which means when you see a saying or a phrase and you find other places, as you tie those things together, you can get a better picture of maybe what it means. So let's look at some of these other ones that talk about the fear of the Lord. Check this out, Proverbs 3, 7. Come on, read it with me. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. I'm going to be honest, I find that offensive to me because I got some pretty good wisdom. Don't be impressed. Ushers, we need somebody removed from the front row. (laughs) Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Come on, read it with me. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So right away, we start to get a picture that this fear of the Lord, it's, it's, not to be, it's not to shudder, it's not to be intimidated by God, it's not to be afraid of him. It, it, it's not, in fact, I didn't say this, but I got to go back. The first response of man where he hid from God was because of sin. God never wants you to hide from him. Some of you in this room, this has been your journey that, that like you were serving God and you were in a good place and a good path and you fell, you struggled, you made some bad decisions, you got out of church, you got away from God and you felt like you needed to just keep hiding from him because he was mad at you and if you ever came back, the building was going to fall in on you. I want you to know that God never, ever, ever wants you to hide from him. In fact, the further you get from him, the faster you need to run to him, not away from him. And when you take a step towards him, he takes a step from you. The Bible says when we humble ourselves before God, listen, we humble humble ourselves we come listen God says that he exalts us that he lifts us up so I want you to know you never have to be afraid of God so the fear of the Lord listen to this it means watch this the fear of the Lord is about turning away from evil it's about something about the way that we live check this out in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13 says this here now is my final conclusion now now before we read the rest of this The guy who wrote Proverbs is the same guy who wrote this book, Ecclesiastes. And basically, King Solomon lived this incredible life. He was a king. He had a ton of women, concubine, made some good decisions, made some not so good decisions. And through his life, ultimately towards the end, he wrote this book, the book of Ecclesiastes, talking about all the the challenges and difficulties and what he calls the vanities of life. And when he gets to the end of his life and the end of this book, he kind of sums life up into this. Here's my final conclusion. Read it with me. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. So again, I want you to notice what he's saying here. He's saying that we're to fear the Lord and turn away from evil, that we are to obey his commands. Let's look at one more, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. Come on, one more, read it with me. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, he says, I hate pride and arrogance and corruption and perverse speech. Here's what I want to tell you, ultimately. To fear the Lord, it's really hard to quantify. It's really hard to put into words. Some people would say to fear God is to, is to be in awe of God. And that, that's part of it. I mean, to think about how big God is and, and how limitless his wisdom is, that, that he knows everything. He knows your end from your beginning. He knows your beginning from your end. He knows everything that's happening. God is so big that we stand in awe of him. That's part of it. 
It's not just that we're in awe of him, but we respect him. That because he's God, because he's the creator, and because we are his creation, that we stand and we, we, we make a decision to honor him and respect him. So really, but here's what I want you to hear. While it might be hard to qualify or quantify what really the fear of the Lord is, ultimately I would say this to you. You know you fear the Lord when you make a decision to obey him and trust him. You can look at somebody and know that they have a fear of the Lord in their life, not because they're shuddering, but because they're making a choice in the middle of maybe even conflicting things happening, they make a decision to trust God with their life. So for you and I, as we move through this, and I want you to see this in a few minutes, that as we kind of live this big life and we make big decisions and there's a lot of times we've got a lot of fear going on. We're going to talk about that. There's a lot of times we feel a lot of pressure in the middle of all the pressure in life and raising kids and doing jobs and starting businesses and dreams and doing everything that means God relationships. It's like, God, I'm going to choose to trust you. That if you say that's the right path, that even if everybody else says it'll lead to a wrong place, that even if everyone else says it's not a good path, that God, if you say that's the best path, that I choose to trust you. So fearing God is believing what he says and taking it to heart. I want us to look for a few minutes in the Old Testament because it really helps us because it's one of the first times that this phrase, the fear of the Lord, is mentioned. And so it helps us to kind of really understand a little bit more about what it's about. Let me tell you what we're going to read before we read it. So again, God has the nation of Israel, and they've been in bondage 400 years in the land of Egypt. God sends Moses to bring them out of Egypt. And some of you guys who've been in church, you know the story. So there's a million people, a million people, the nation of Israel, a million people. And there's this one guy, Moses, and he's the leader. And God is speaking through Moses, his law, his word to the people of Israel. And he tells him, and he says, listen, you're getting ready to go into this land. I'm giving you property. I'm giving you real estate. And it's yours. It belongs to you. And he says, but you get there, there's going to be a lot of people that are already living there. There's going to be other cultures that are there. There's going to be people who believe other than you believe. There's going to be people who live different than the way I'm telling you to live. He says, you're going to walk into this. And he says, like, it's going to be culture shock. Now, if you've never left the South and gone to the North, you don't know about culture shock. But when you leave the north and come to the south, that's culture shock. In the north, um, like 1% of the population chews. In the south, like 1% of the population doesn't chew. That's what I'm saying. Everybody's got the ring on their on the rear pocket. Like, what is that? What's everybody sitting on in the south? Well, it's where they keep their chew. Like, it's just culture shock. There's just a difference. And so God said, when you move in to the promised land, there's going to be a lot of different living a lot of different choices, a lot of different ways that people decide to handle their life. And then he gives, with that in mind, knowing that they're going to go into this totally different culture, this is the instruction. This is kind of the final words that God gives the nation of Israel. Check it out in Deuteronomy. Come on, everyone in this house, read this with me. He says, and now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Now stop. Now, in an interdenominational church like Faith Church, we got a lot of different backgrounds. And based on maybe how, if you were raised in church, how you were raised, you might feel like God requires different things from you. If you were raised like a real conservative Pentecostal holiness that God requires that you don't shave your armpits and you wear your hair in a bun and only a skirt. Or maybe, you know, if you're in a Pentecost, God requires you to run the church and fall out. Maybe if you were Baptist, God just requires, you can do whatever you want, just don't drink. 
And we all got these different requirements. And those, yeah, 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 yeah. But let's find out what God requires. Okay, can we just do that? Can we just always go back to scripture? Because this just isn't for the nation of Israel. 3,500 years later, this is still for us. Read this with me. He requires only that you what? Fear the Lord. What's that mean? You fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him. And, come on, read it. And love him and serve him with all your heart and all your soul. I want you to go back to the previous slide and leave it up there. So, so watch this, watch, watch, watch. So this whole time, that they're, why they're wandering and why God's giving them all, God is giving some very specific instruction of how his people are to live, how they're to live relationally, how they're to handle the resources, uh, how they're to handle the rest. And, and he'll say things like this. God says things like this. Hey, listen, listen, listen. Everything you have isn't really yours, it's mine. And I'm just loaning it to you. And, and, and I want you to make sure that it's my stuff and you know it's not your stuff. And so you handle it in a way that pleases me, not necessarily pleases you. So God tells his people, God tells his people, hey, I want you to be generous. I want you to make sure you take care of poor people. Like I know you have needs, but before you get so hung up on your needs, don't forget there's poor people. Make sure you, make sure you help the poor. And hey, by, by the way, hey, my house needs taken care of too because that's where people come to worship and that's where people find out. So I, yeah, you need to pay your bills and it's okay to spend stuff on you, but, but while you handle your stuff, make sure you're a tither. Make sure you give to support the church. Oh yeah, oh yeah, but, but by, by the way, by the way, listen, uh, you're gonna get there and you're gonna see there's a lot of people in this new land and like they're in debt to people and they got credit cards. And listen, I want you to make sure you don't get in debt. And so what, he, what God's saying is, listen, I have this way that I want you to live. And when you get there, you're going to see people that are like, they spend all their money on themselves. And he says, you're going to get there and you're going to be challenged to think that, hey, God's crazy. I got to give God all this money. I got to give to the poor. Let the poor get a job. Let them work the same way I work. Listen, this is my money. God says, you're going to be tempted. Watch, watch, watch. God says, you're going to be tempted when you get over there and see how other people live. You're going to be tempted to think that their way is a better way. God says, when you get there and you see how they handle their money and how they handle the resources, God says, you're going to remember, remember what I said and you're going to compare with how they live and you're going to be tempted, not just tempted, you're going to start to get in fear. That God, if I keep tithing and I keep giving to the poor, there's going to be nothing left for me. So you're going to be tempted out of fear to not obey me. He says, but listen, the one thing I require is that you fear the Lord. He says, relationships. He says, man, relationships are so complicated. Marriage is already hard enough. Can I get an amen? You are so in trouble. I can't believe you bit on that hook right there. <laughs> Marriage is already hard. He said, listen, listen, when you get over to the other side, listen, if you're single, you need to like perk up right here. If you're not married and you want to be near, you need to hear right here. He says, when you get to the other side, he said, listen, I'm telling you that I want you to make sure that you marry people that love me the way that you love me. He says, and when you get to the other side, he said, man, you're going to come. It's, it's like, I don't know if anybody remembers going from, from in, at least in the north, when we went from elementary school to uh, junior high, it was like a whole new batch of girls. Come on, help me somebody. And when you went to junior high, you went to high school, it was like a whole nother batch of girls. Fresh meat. Listen, I didn't, shouldn't even have said that. But you went there and you're like, what? I've never seen them before. He said, listen, when you get to this new land, he said, man, there's going to be fresh meat everywhere. Dudes with six pack abs. He said, you're just going to think, I just want to be with him. I just want to date him. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you're going to see girls and they're going to be beautiful, but they're not going to love me the way you love me. They're going to serve false gods. So he said, listen, listen, be careful when you get to that other land. 
that you guard your relationships. Be careful when you get there that you don't marry outside of your faith. And you know what happened? They got there and they thought, man, if I don't marry this person, I'm going to spend my life alone. I'm afraid to be alone. If I don't, if I don't hook on with this, this, with this one, if I don't marry this one, I, I may never get married. And so he said, listen, when you get there, you're going to be tempted. You're going to be afraid that if you do things my way, it's going to end up bad for you. You're going to feel like if you do things my way, it's not going to work out. And so God says, listen, what I want you to know is this. When you get to the other side, in the midst of all of your fears, of, if, if I give God's way, I'm going to be broke. If I date God's way, I'm going to be, I'm going to be single. If I rest God's way, we tend to think that we're, we're successful just based on how busy we are, which means we never rest. And there's some people who never have time for God. I read my Bible, but I don't have time. Pastor, I would pray, but I don't have time. Church, I, I make church like every other month because I'm so busy. You know, one of the things that God taught his people was don't ever be tempted to think that your success is based on your work. Your success is based on my blessing, which means in the midst of your business, don't be lazy, but in the midst of your busyness, make sure you take time to rest. I, I rest, I don't have time to rest. I've got to get to this practice. I've got to get my son to this thing because he's trying to get a scholarship and he's trying to get a good ACT score and I'm trying to get overtime. Ah, God says, listen, you're going to be tempted to live your life according to this world. And you're going to be afraid at times that if you don't do it the way this world does it, that you'll fail. And so what God is saying is you can make a decision to either fear the Lord or fear failure. And sometimes those things, those ideas seem totally opposite. And so what God calls us to is this, and here's what I want you to hear today, is that in the midst of this thing, as we wrestle through this, in the midst of all this, is we got to make a decision. How do we really fear God? Because when you read scripture over and over, not only says fear God, it says fear not. Everybody say fear not. It says over 200 times fear not. So am I supposed to fear not or fear God? I'm confused. Well, I have a public school education, so some of you can relate to fear God or fear not. Here's what I want you to hear today, is that if you will fear God, you can fear not. If you, can fe- if you will fear God, you can fear not. Say that. If I will fear God, I can. Which means in the midst of big life decisions, when God gives you wisdom and you make a decision, and the world's saying, if you do it his way, it's not going to work out. If you follow God's path, it's not going to work out. If you do resources his way, you're going to be broke. If you handle relationships his way, you're going to be single. God says in the midst of doing life together, God says the way that you can overcome is through fearing him. In John 10, 10, the Bible says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. How does he do it? How does the enemy steal from us? Think about it. How does the enemy, man, we got a real spiritual enemy. How does he get access to our life? Like he doesn't show up in the middle of the night and like rob from me. The way the enemy, our spiritual enemy, our adversary, the way he steals from you and I is he comes and he whispers in our ear, if you do it God's way, you'll fail. And we feel like we could never do that. I, I can't talk to my friends about Jesus. It'll fail. I can't live for God. I'll be an outcast. I can't be the only one at the party that don't drink. I can't be the only businessman in here that don't fudge the bottom line. I'll never get any contracts. I'll never get any work. And the enemy comes and says, if you do it God's way, you'll fail. And we live with this fear. I got to fudge a little bit. I got to cheat a little bit. I got to just be outside the lines. I can't always do it God's way. If I, man, if I, if I really follow God all the time, right, that'll never work. And so the enemy robs us from God's best when he puts us in fear of obeying God's best. And so God says, make a decision. Are you going to listen to the fear of the enemy? Are you going to 
have the fear of the Lord? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to be in awe of me? Are you going to submit to know that I know you're in from your beginning and you're beginning from your end? Because that's the challenge we all face. Several years ago, or not several years ago, when I was a little kid, several years old, um, I grew up in, in the city of Akron and there were city blocks and so houses everywhere, neighborhood. We grew up where you go out and play on the street. And uh, when it was time to come in, we knew, how, we knew uh, when it was time to come in by one way. Anybody who grew up in my generation or older, you knew when it was time to come in when the streetlights came on. Come on, anybody with me? Streetlights, come on, it's time to come in. And so, you know, we grew up in that kind of neighborhood. Mom never had to call for us. And, uh, and so the next street down from us, I grew up on Chinook, the next street down, Sarcy Avenue, there were these two bullies, um, Darren and Curtis. I wish I knew where they were at today. I'd like to lay hands on them in the name of Jesus. <laughs> tormented, tormented the whole neighborhood. And I, don't, I, in Heinz, I can't remember how old they were, but they were older than my oldest brothers. I have two brothers, three and four years older. And so in my mind, when I was a kid, I'm talking about maybe seven years old when this happened. Like this guy, these guys were like eight foot three and like seven foot nine, right? And uh, so we would go around, we'd ride our bikes around the block. Like that was the big thing when you were old enough to like leave the street, you'd ride around the block. And, uh, you know, sometimes they'd take our bikes and make us walk home and you go back and they'd just be laying in the road. I mean, just thugs, just, just better not even find them on Facebook. I think I'm going to look them up, tell them I miss them. Anyways, I'll never forget the story. This is a totally true story. So, you know, I'm real young. In fact, I had the banana handlebar or the, the big handlebars and the banana seat. Yeah, baby. Purple metal flake bike. Man, I wish I had that bike back. I look funny on it now that big, but I wish I had it. And so I'm riding my bike around the block. I'll never forget Darren and Curtis. Here they come. So they come over and they, they're messing with me, jacking with me. This is a true story. They pick me up. One picked it up by the front tire. One picked it up by, I'm still on my bike. And they pick me up and they carry me across the street. And they put me in their garage and close the door. It's dark in there. It's, it's this nasty garage. It's in the summer in the north. It's, so it's not as hot in the south, but it's hot. It feels like I'm in an Annie Easy Bake oven, right? I mean, it's hot. I'm sweating. I'm crying. And I'm beating on the garage. Let me out. Let me out. They would let me out. And they're out there laughing and harassing me. And I don't know how long I was in there. It felt like like three hours. Maybe I was in there like 20 minutes. At some point, I pulled on the garage and they weren't even out there anymore. I got out, you know, and I got my bike and I rode it home and I pulled up and I'm like, <laughs> you know, and my face is all swelled up. And it was, I'm telling you, I was, I need counseling, man. I'm stirring this stuff up. I need to go talk to somebody. Some sympathy with you guys, like just an awe from you would be nice. Thank you. And so, I mean, like lots of experiences like that, but like this was, this was, this was the, this was like the, this was it. And so when I get home, cause I've been gone, I was just supposed to ride around the block. When I get home, my mom and dad are frantic. Cause they're like, where have you been? You were just riding around the block. You've been gone forever. They thought something happened to me. And so they see that I'm crying. You know, my dad asked what's wrong with me. So like, I think the only words I can get out is Darren and Curtis. And so... <laughs> My dad's like, Stephen, let's go. And the only, I think this is really the only time my dad's ever called me Stephen. Stephen, let's go. And he grabs me by the hand. He walks down to Darren and Curtis's house. And I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be bad. And my dad walks up, never forgets. My dad walks up, knocks on the door. And I mean, like, it wasn't like, you know, Avon. It was like. <laughs> and their dad comes to the door. And, you know, and I'll never forget. I can't remember everything my dad said, but I remember this. He said, listen. He said, if your sons ever touch one of my boys again, especially my own son, he said, if, one of you, if your boys ever touch my sons again, 
He said, I'm going to come back here, and I'm not going to have a conversation with Darren and Curtis. I'm going to work this out between me and you. You read me? I was like, bowed up. I was like, yeah, you read him? Hmm. Reading us loud and clear now, ain't you, Darren and Curtis? Here's what I want you to listen, listen, listen. So as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old boy, like it happened all around then, like you would always ride around the block and be like, oh my gosh, please don't let Darren and Curtis be out. Be like fear. And like after that day, I didn't care if Darren and Curtis was out. You know why? Because I knew somebody bigger. Because my dad could beat up their dad. (laughs) And so listen, listen, it's not that Darren and Curtis were not scary, but who I had on my side was bigger. And so this is what God's saying. Listen, listen, you guys got to hear this. God's saying, listen, we live in a big, scary world. And I'm just telling you, God's wisdom often sounds like foolishness. Serve people, that's how we get ahead in this world. We get rich by giving, are you kidding me? We're supposed to rest, I got things to do. God's ways seem contrary, and they are. But God says, listen, I don't want you to be afraid of this world. If you get afraid of this world, you'll miss what I have for you. And the enemy will have robbed you. But if you'll have a fear of the Lord, I want to say fear of the Lord. If you have a fear of the Lord, which means this, if you'll be in awe, if you'll have respect, if you'll trust that God's ways are the best ways, God says, you'll have my best. When you read through the book of Proverbs this month and you come across little things and you're like, man, that sounds good, but I can't do it that way. You know, uh, th- you know things that'll say like this, that you know, we're not to answer a fool according to his folly. And sometimes we feel like we can't keep our mouth shut. God says, I just need you to keep your mouth. Just don't say anything. Let me handle it. And we feel like we got to say something. God, I need to say something. All my friends are saying, say something. But you said, be quiet. I'm going to be quiet. That seems foolish, but God, I'm going to do it your way. And watch how God works it out. Fear the Lord, to trust God's way, to trust God's wisdom. And in order for this to happen, what this means is that some of us, some of us might have to pray a simple prayer. God, help me to submit submit myself to your wisdom. Help me to submit myself to your wisdom. Let me give you a couple more scriptures and we'll close. I want you to see some of the benefits that God makes his promises. In Proverbs chapter 14, this is what God says to those who will fear the Lord. Read this with me. Those who fear the Lord are secure and he will be a refuge for their children. Man, I love that. God is saying, listen, if you'll do things my way, if you'll trust me, if you'll follow my path, God says, if you'll not get caught up in the culture, if you'll not do things the way this world is screaming, but God says, if you'll do it my way, God says, my way, who I am, the fear of the Lord, it'll make you secure. Everyone screams secure. We want security in this world. We want hope in this world. And it's found in following God's word, in living for him and loving him and obeying him. And watch this next part. And he says, and he will be, go back, go back. He says, and he will be a refuge for who? Listen, we're going to do a series. I'm just going to give a little giveaway here in in October, uh, or I'm sorry, in uh, in September, a little giveaway. Uh, We're going to do a series called How to Raise Your Kids. If you have kids, you're going to want to be here. It's not how to R-A-I-S-E your kids. It's how to R-A-Z-E-M, how to ruin your kids. Let me tell you one way to ruin your kids, and that's to play church and not love Jesus. Because your kids, you teach what you know, and you reproduce who you are, which means you can tell your kids to love Jesus, but they're going to live how you're living. They're going to love God the same way you love God. But God says this. God says, here's the promise. Listen, this is so awesome. God says, if you'll learn to fear me, God says, it'll not only be security to you, but your kids are going to watch how you make decisions. Your kids are going to watch how you live, and they're going to follow after you, which means it's also, they're going to be a refuge for, for your children as well. That's a great promise. Watch verse 27. Verse 27. 
Read it with me. Fear the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. So uh, we just have this, this, this thing here. So if the fear of the Lord is the key to Proverbs, because as you read through for the rest of the next 31 days, as you read through it, you're going to read a lot of things, a lot of challenges. And if you'll start off the beginning point, the starting point of God, I choose to trust you. And you start to implement that wisdom. It'll transform your life. You know, we, can we think about the fear of the Lord? We think like everybody knows that feeling when you're driving down the road and a police officer starts riding behind you. Does anybody else like your sphincter tighten up? Like, and like you put both, like if you got a lean, you straighten up. If you got one hand on the wheel, you put two on. And if you didn't have your seatbelt on, you pretend you had one on. Don't play. Does anybody start, like you weren't breaking the law, but now you're sure you're not breaking the law when a cop gets behind. Anybody, come on, anybody tighten up just a little bit. Wave at me. Do you know why? Because you think cops are just out to get you. Maybe, maybe they are, especially if you have a warrant. But listen, listen, listen. I want you to change the picture, change the picture, change the picture. Instead of imagining this cop who may be out to get you, imagine you're on the side of the road and you're in a bad part of town and things ain't looking good and you call 911 for help and the same police officer in the same car pulls up. All of a sudden you have like a different, like things are going to be okay. Somebody came to help me. It's the same cop, same situation. It's your viewpoint. It's your situation. So God is not the cop waiting to like, you know, take you out. God is... He's there to protect. He's not there to serve us, but he's there to come alongside of us. So I want to pray for you today that God is going to shift in your heart and your mind who God is. And that when you see him for who he is, you're going to trust him how he's called us to trust him. And I want to pray specifically. I want you all to pray this with me, that God's going to help you to trust his word. So I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, help me this week to submit myself to your word, to honor your teaching and to obey your commands. In Jesus' name, everybody who agreed said amen. Listen, just before you go, I wanna give everyone here an opportunity and those who are watching online, if you've never opened up your heart ultimately to Jesus as your savior, he's not just the savior, he's your savior, but he only becomes that when you make that personal decision to say, yes, I need Jesus. Jesus came, the Bible says Jesus came and he died for the sin of, of the whole world. What great news. But the only way that you can get in on that is to say, God, I, I want to throw my sin in the pot. God, I give you my sin, ask you to forgive me. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. We all sin. We all miss or fall below God's standard. And to live that way is what separates us from our creator. But through Jesus, Jesus, through his death, he becomes our forgiveness and our peace and our hope, and our joy. And if you don't have Jesus, you're missing the greatest reward this life that you will ever see, ever find, or ever experience. And it's found through simple faith of just saying, God, I need you. Jesus, I depend on you. If you're here and you've never said yes to God's love, you've never said, God, forgive me, you can have it right here today through that simple act. And so just before you head out, I wanna give everyone here an opportunity to say yes if you've never said yes and today you want to say, I need God's grace, I need his forgiveness in my life, I want you to raise a hand real high and say, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me? I want to say yes to Jesus today. Is there anybody here? No shame, no fear, just between you and God. Thank you, sweetheart. Anybody else? 
Anybody else? Now, I'm, I want you to pull in. I want you to pull in real quick right here. I got four minutes according to the clock, and I'm only going to use half of them. As the pastor of this community, and it's a large church and we're growing, I hear so much stuff. I'm telling you, for real, my mind is gossip central. I hear stuff I don't want to hear. I hear stuff I'd rather not know. But like I just hear, people are like, hey, did you hear? And I've seen this, and I'm on social media, and so like I get it all. There's rarely someone comes and tells me stuff that I've not already heard. And I'm going to be honest, listen, and I don't want anybody here with any condemnation. Don't hear it with any condemnation. But I hear people about my family of faith, like living like crazy lifestyles, like living totally contrary to God's word. And I'm like, really? I just want to tell you, listen, if you're here, I'm glad you're in church. I'm glad you're showing up and I'm glad you're under God's word. I'm glad you're here worshiping God. But you need to take like a real step and say like, I'm ready to like live for Jesus. Like, I don't want to just show up and like play this game. Like, I want to live for God. I also want to tell you like, get in or get out. Like, let's live for God. Like, if you're not like quit wasting time on Sunday. But if you're in, like, let's live for God and see what happens. Like, let's really fear God and see what happens. And so I want to give you an opportunity here. Listen, if you're here today and there's, there's like some, some space in your life where you're like for real, you're not serious with God, you're playing games with God, there's this area of your life that like you're t- in total rebellion, you know you're not living right, you know you're not doing right, doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. With every head bowed, every eye closed, come on. If you're in this room, you're like, Pastor Steve, man, like you're talking about me, there's some stuff in my life and I've been playing games and playing church and I'm ready to, I'm ready to get out of the game. I really want to serve the Lord. I really want to honor God with my life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just raise a hand. I just want to pray with you, but ultimately God's going to see your hand in your heart. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand real high. Say, Pastor Steve, I want you to pray for me. I'm tired of playing the game, tired of being a player, tired of being a runner. Lift it up real high, real high. Say, Pastor Steve, pray for me, man. I want to get real with God. I really want to start serving him with all my heart. Lift it up real high and leave it up just for a minute. I'm going to give you just a minute. Come on, I want you to think about your life. Think about how you're living. Think about this. Not that you're not, not, that you're not perfect. Well, none of us are perfect. But if you know, man, there's like, there's a big gap in some of your lifestyle and what you say is your faith. I want you to lift a hand real high. Say, pray for me. His hand's all over this house. His hand's all over this house. Just for a minute with your hand raised. Lord, I pray for every person with their hand raised. That God, in a, in a whisper of surrender of their own, that God, they would give you that area of their life. And I pray in Jesus' name that God, they would find a forgiveness in the new beginning that you offer. And I pray walking out of here today, they would go out in a new strength, in a new conviction, in a new courage to live for you no matter what. And so Lord, I pray God, you put them on the right path and you put your hand upon them, God, to help them live for you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord today.